Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. Look two or three people around you and just tell them, say, I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to see you. So glad to see you. Amen. We certainly welcome those at all of our campuses tonight. Y'all ready for the word tonight? I said, are y'all ready for the word tonight? Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. Hallelujah. Remain standing if you would. <clears throat> Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3. We were there, of course, on last uh, week, and we're going to uh, pick up from there uh, this evening. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 8. When you have it, say, I have it. If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. I'll wait on you because love is patient. Love is kind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now you yourself, say, that's me. You are to put off. Notice, the issue wasn't whether or not you'd ever feel that. He just said, it's irrelevant how you feel. Look at your neighbor and say, your feelings concerning this are completely irrelevant. He says, but now you yourselves, you are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Then look at what he says. He says, stop lying to one another. Since you have what? Put off the old man with his what? Deeds. So notice then that you could be practicing the deeds of the old man and not necessarily have the old man. And you could have the old man and not necessarily be practicing the deeds of the old man. So don't always think that a deed indicates the kind of man that there is. Verse 10. And have uh, put on the new man who is renewed in what? Knowledge, Greek word gnosis, according to the image of him who created him. Let's look at verse 8 again. And we, we went into this in depth last week. I won't uh, relitigate that tonight, but I want us to look at it again. But now you yourselves, say your name. Put off your anger, 
your wrath, your malice, your blasphemy, your filthy language. Stop lying. Learn something and act like you know it. I just, I just, yeah. Look at your neighbor. I want you to say this to them. You're going to talk to them at least 17 more times tonight. So if you do not like them, please get up and go to the restroom and then come back and sit somewhere else. Because you're going to talk to them at least 17 more times. Look at them and say, neighbor, neighbor. knowing something, and doing it is far better than knowing many things and doing none of it. Father, help us tonight to learn how to better interact with one another. God, we realize that the person standing next to us has been hurt, they've been betrayed, they've been lied to, they have been given false expectations. And so tonight, Father, we realize that we're not sitting next to somebody uh, that has not been in through anything. But, Father, we pray that tonight we would all learn, despite what we've been through, how to take that off and put on what we're supposed to put on. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we think, regardless of what they did, regardless of what they said, we got to take that off and put on the new man. And we honor you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. We're going to do part two tonight, handling conflict, disagreement, and confrontation. I want to move very expeditiously uh, through some of the material we've already covered uh, because the truth is many people simply don't know how to interact well with other people because our old nature doesn't interact well with other people. And you'll remember we looked at Adam. Remember how we talked about Adam last week, how whenever Adam had an issue, he would first blame God and then he would blame other people. Uh, and we talked about the importance of making sure that you're not blaming somebody else for why you are the way you are or why you are in life uh, uh, the way that that particular situation is. So we understood this, that uh, in, in Adam's situation, his inability to handle being confronted cost him everything. You remember we talked about how God came to Adam and he said, listen, Adam, uh, what you've been doing? And then Adam's first thing as well as the woman you gave me. So not only uh, does he say, God, I'm not taking any responsibility. He said, really, God, this is your fault. Uh, in essence, God, if you didn't let this happen to me when I was five, if you didn't let this happen to me when, uh, when this happened with my mother and this happened with my father, if you didn't let all of that happen, God, then I wouldn't be in the particular predicament that I'm in. And we understand that it cost Adam everything. The Bible says that God put him out of the garden and that there were flaming uh, cherubim that were there with a flaming sword, keeping him away from the thing that he perhaps desired the greatest. And so we understood that conflict and disagreement and confrontations are a part of life. Do you understand that? If you never have any conflicts, disagreements, or confrontation, then that means whoever you're interacting with, that means neither one of you care. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, we define this. I want to re just re uh, re go over this real quick. We define that conflict meant to clash or disagree. Got it? So then when we say conflicts, disagreements, and confrontation, conflicts and disagreements essentially are the same. But then confrontation, we often think of confrontations in a negative way, but confrontation just means to face or to deal with. Look at your name and say, deal with it. Yeah. Here's one of the things that Christian people learn how to do real well. Christian people learn how to not talk about stuff and think that that means they've conquered it. Okay, so y'all going to do it like that. They can't hear me, Sal, man, so you need to turn it up because they can't hear me. Uh, Christian people like to think, well, because I don't talk about this certain issue and because I don't talk about this certain problem, that that means that I've conquered or dealt with that particular issue. But you know you haven't dealt with something because the moment that person's name or the moment something that you see that reminds you of that individual comes up, all of a sudden your blood begins to boil. That is how you know you have not dealt with it. Okay, it's, it's going to be one of those nights. That's all right. 
teach, Bishop. I will. Uh, the reality is this. The reality is this, is that whatever you will not face and deal with has already conquered you. Whatever you will not face and deal with has already conquered you. You know how I know that? Because it made you run before the fight ever started. Are y'all here? Now, uh, we talked last week. There was two things I wanted to get last week. The first was that conflicts, disagreements, and confrontations are part of life. The second thing was that confrontation should be good communication. Remember, we talked about good communication, and we went through and defined all of these things that the writer of Colossians was talking about when he was writing to them, uh, and we didn't get an opportunity to, to, for me to fully exegete the text. So I want to go back to Colossians 3 and 9. Exegete just means explain. That's just a fancy the, uh, theological word for explain. Colossians 3, 9. Look what it says. Remember last week we ended talking about filthy language. And remember we talked about how that was just more than what you might think of as somebody cussing or using profanity. Filthy language was anything that was antithetical to what it is that God has said about you. So that every time you say I'm not good enough and I can't do it and nothing ever works for me. Every time you say that you are using filthy language. And the truth of the matter is, is what you're doing is you're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. No, 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 you're not going to. You sit up and wonder why you experience certain situations in life, but you forget that you were the one that gave that situation permission to exist in your life because you spoke it. Proverbs 18:21. now death and life are in the power of the devil. No. Death and life are in the power of what your mama did. No. Death and life are in the power of your generational curses. No. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. That is why when the scripture says we were made in the image and in the likeness of God, one of the Hebrew words there is teshalam, which means what is God? God is a speaking spirit. He created by speaking. So it's the same thing for you and I. We create the environment that we experience and live in predicated upon what we speak. Okay. All right. All right. Now, 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 now. He said, uh, we ended there last week. Put away filthy language. Now look at verse 9. Do not lie to one another. Now, here's the truth. I know you good and saved and real Christian. I know that. But that neighbor of yours, we're working on them. Just look at him. Just touch him. Just say, say it's all right. I know. Tell him it's all right. <clears throat> we're working on them. And, 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 here's, and here's what we're working on. We're working on that neighbor because one of the things that human beings have mastered is the ability to pretend. Somebody going to get free. It may not, some, it may, maybe they watch it online. Somebody going to get free tonight. We have mastered the ability to pretend. Let me prove it to you. How many people do you say these words to and you don't even realize and recognize what you're saying? I love you. Now, can we just have an honesty check? How many people you've said that to somebody and you didn't even halfway know them? Oh, come on. Don't see. Don't, okay. I see. See. You were walking on your way outside the church in the vestibule, and somebody said, I love you. I love you too, baby. You don't even know their last name. You don't even know who that. And you said, Bishop, that's not a big deal because, because, because isn't that Christian? No, that's not Christian because you're lying. Bishop, how do I know? Because when you say, I love you, God is loved. What you're saying is, I God you. You don't understand what you're saying. In other words, you're saying to that person, I will deal with you the way that God will deal with you. Which means God says, I'm going to be patient with you even when I'm sick of being patient with you. I'm going to be kind with you even when I'm sick of being kind to you. I'm going to walk with you even when I'm sick of walking with you. Love is not an emotion. It is a decision that produces emotions. Cameraman, this is too dark. They can't see me on the screen. Now, I'm just saying, I know what shade I'm supposed to be on the TV now. 
I love you. <laughs> See, I'm pacing with you. Now, 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 here's the point. Here's the point. Say, I love you. Okay. We use words like that and, and don't fully understand what we're creating. Every time you say that to somebody, you are creating a covenant, an agreement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every time you say that. And, and I'm just using this as an example. Uh, Colossians 3.9 says, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. What's the old man? We've already talked about this from part one. The old man is who? Adam. All right? Adam. Okay? Which just generically means mankind. Adam blamed everybody else. Adam wouldn't set, accept responsibility for anything. Adam wouldn't deal with his stuff. Adam wanted to push everything on everybody else. It was never him. It was always somebody else. You try to get Adam to admit he was wrong, he'd say, well, yes, I did do that, but I only did that because you did that. <laughs> there is no singular responsibility for any of his actions. And as human beings, we've mastered that. We've mastered. And you know what Christian human beings do? Then we'll say, well, that just wasn't God's will. That friend walked out of my life because that wasn't God's will. Maybe they walked out of your life because you're a bad friend. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing. And God can take, Romans 8, 28, he can take what you did even in your error and even in your foolishness and he can make it work for your good. But we got to stop blaming everything that happens on God. Hear me, everything that happens, yes, it does happen for a reason, but the reason is not always God. Oh, God, I don't have nobody here. Because if the reason was always God, then that would mean that we could successfully blame everything that ever happens on God. And God has already said to us in Genesis, he said, behold, I give you dominion, absolute power to rule, reign, conquer, and subdue on earth. Which means God says there's some stuff that if you okay with it, I'm okay with it. If you okay with lack, God says I'm okay with it. If you okay with dysfunction, God says I'm okay with that. Are y'all, y'all? But, no, but this is what you're trying to say. But put the verse up, Colossians 3, 9, he says, do not lie to one another since you've put off the old man with his deeds. The old man will say whatever he has to say to get whatever he wants to get. The old man will say, I don't mind working hard. And you already know that you are a clock counter. <laughs> and the moment that, it's 5.59, you ain't supposed to leave until 6. And the truth of the matter is, is you want to tell the truth, six is still the company's time. Oh, see? Yeah, y'all don't want to have that discussion. See, which means you, you, you leave at 610, because between 6 and 610, that's your time. See, I, see look, look at y'all. Look at y'all. Somebody said, no, Bishop, I don't, I don't receive that. You ain't got to receive it. I, I'm trying to help you keep your job. I mean, you get to get there 10 minutes early because you said, well, I don't start until 830. So, I, you know, I'm going to get there at 830. But you're still taking your jacket off, still clocking in, still logging in. It's 845. You've stolen 15 minutes. Okay, so y'all don't, want, y'all don't like that. Okay, all right. The point I was trying to make is that the old, the, the old nature will say whatever he has to say to get whatever he wants to get. And we've all, we've all done that. All right? So you're in good company tonight. Don't feel judged or condemned or any of that because we have all done that. Got it? Some folk did it just a few minutes ago. Some folk going to do it when they leave church tonight. We, we've, all, we've all allowed the old man to lie. And have you ever lied and looked back at your lie and started to believe your lie? Oh, wow. Y'all, y'all going to? It's going to be one of those nights, huh? I'm trying. Doing the best I can. You, you ever convince yourself 
You, you have been able to come up with your own theory of everything and this and that and your own thing, and, and you've come up with a huge lie, and then you're looking back at it, and you're trying to explain it to somebody, and you're telling it like it's the truth. Thank you. I got one honest person in the church. Maybe they tweet me. This neighbor said, stop lying to me. Can I make it real practical? Ladies, how you like this dress on me? And here's the thing. If they tell you the truth, then you get angry. And then if they lie, you say, no, stop lying. So you can't win. All right. You, you tell somebody, I'm thinking about doing this. What you think? And then, and then because they won't support you, then you say, see, I just need the Lord to send me some supportive friends. Be- because they won't support your lunacy? Because a person that truly loves you will pay the risk to confront you. Because it's a risk. There have been some people that you saw, they're going to ruin their life, and you're just like, I don't care. Can you be, can you be honest? I know you wanted you know, Jesus and all that, but did you like, I don't even care. I'm not saying anything to him. You wouldn't even pay the price. Ah, okay. He said, he said, do not lie to one another since you put off the old man and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Which means this, I said it last week, I want to say it again. When you learn better, you have an option to do better. Knowing or the acquisition of knowledge does not ensure better results. Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean? Because if I don't apply what I know, it's irrelevant that I know it in the first place. it's, it's, It's irrelevant. Listen, you can know the way to make a million dollars all day long. But if you sit at home eating bonbons, watching repeats of Oprah and the Real Housewives, does it matter that you know how to make it? Okay. All right. And put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. Say, Lord, teach me how to communicate well. All right. Now, now, now tonight we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move through some things. And, 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 and tonight I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. And the favor is I'm going to ask you to, for a moment, I'm going to ask you to just pretend like it's just me and you in this room. If you're watching online, which so many people do because, you know, we had that big, huge rainstorm. And so, you know. I know you couldn't make it because the rain. You know, and I understand. Sunny days, everybody loves them. But my question to you is, can you? This we know for sure. <laughs> now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Just pretend it's me and you. And just pretend that we're having a session. Just me and you, we're talking, all right? Because because I want to reveal something today. 
over the last couple of weeks, it's been, it's been a very interesting, it's been a very interesting things. The Lord has revealed some very poignant things to me. And uh, just about human interaction, human relation, how humans deal with one another, how people deal with one another, and, and, and particularly how people have messed up a lot in their lives. And they blame it on the devil. They blame it on God. They blame it on this. They blame it on that. But the reality is it's because nobody ever taught them how to communicate well. Okay. So we're going to walk through this. This is me and you talking. Now, if you shout, great. If you don't shout, that's cool. If it works, then some of y'all should be crying. Good crying, no. All right. All right. Say, Lord, teach me how to communicate. All right, here it is. There's two types of human communication. You know the first verbal. That's talking and that's conversation. So this is the what of communication. Uh, there's a few different ways that people talk, all right? Uh, you have the first kind of person who talks too much, okay? The person who talks too much is always saying stuff that they have no business saying. Uh-huh. Ecclesiastes 5.3 says this, For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of his words. Okay, so in verbal communication, you have people that talk too much. How many people, it's just me and you. How many people you think you fall in that category? You haven't heard the other ones yet, but you think you fall in that category. You just talk too much. Okay, all right, all right, okay, that's okay. I'm going I'm to get your neighbor. Okay, second kind of person. This person doesn't talk enough, so you become suspicious of them because of their silence. Look at 1 Samuel 18.9. They'll put it up on the screen. Don't flip there because we've got to move quickly tonight. 1 Samuel 18.9. Listen to this. And saw I David from that day forth. 1 Samuel 18.9. And saw I David from that day forth. Uh, this is a person who doesn't talk enough, so you become suspicious of their actions. Who doesn't talk? Who, doesn't, who, who you don't talk enough? People got to figure out what's wrong with you. They got to go on a prayer fast to figure out what's wrong with you. They got to come up for the prayer partners on the Sunday worship experience and say, can you tell me what they're thinking? Because they ain't saying nothing to me. I don't know what they're thinking. Now, this is interesting because we see this particular interaction. We see this particular interaction with Saul and David uh, because it's really interesting. Saul and David, they, they, Saul is the king, and uh, Saul, though, wouldn't go fight the battle that the king was supposed to fight with Goliath, the, the giant Philistine. And so what happens is David goes out, and David fights the battle. And then the people begin to celebrate David. They say uh, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And so from that day forward, Saul now begins, watch this. I'm going to take a shift on you here in a minute. Saul begins to feel ridiculous rejected by those he's leading and his root of rejection makes him begin to now reject David because when you're dealing with a root of rejection you like to preemptively reject people so they don't get the opportunity to reject you oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get there in just a moment so from that day forward, the Bible says that Saul eyed him. And it got so crazy uh, that Saul would literally try to kill David. The Bible says that God would send, can I just teach for just a moment? Uh, the Bible says that God would send a distressing spirit uh, on Saul. And when that would happen, that Saul's servants would call for David to come. And David, he was a harpist, so he would begin to play the harp. And as he began to play, the Bible says that the distressing spirit would leave. So it was very interesting because the thing that Saul wanted to reject, he needed. So now, now, now it gets to the point to where Saul has got this thing. He's got this issue with David, and this issue is so prevalent that several times Saul literally, the Bible says, throws his javelin and he tries to kill David. Let me set it up for you because I know sometimes reality sounds crazier than fiction. Saul is sitting on the throne. He gets stressed out. David comes and plays some smooth jazz for him. 
95.7 Smooth Jazz. It's a little rainy tonight, but we're going to... <laughs> okay. He starts playing for him. You got it? Saul is like, okay, cool. I'm not stressed out no more. He grabs his javelin while he's sitting on the throne. Like, David, move over there. No, good, right there. <laughs> he tries to kill him. Not just once. Not just twice. Multiple times he tries to kill David. Because he's eyeing David. Because he can't figure out what's going on with David. Okay, we're going to come back to that seed of rejection in just a moment. But, but, but now, but, 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 so we got person one who talks too much. We got person two who doesn't talk enough. Got it? And, and then we have the nonverbal talker. You know the nonverbal talker? Well, they want you to know what they're saying based on the body language they give you. Based on the vibes they give you. Okay, y'all. Yeah. So, so you've got to interpret they're not going to tell you they're upset with what you did. You just got to figure out the fact that since they won't look at you in the eye, that that's. Who's that? Mm -hmm. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Honest people go to heaven. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, the nonverbal talker, because while you have verbal communication, you have nonverbal communication, but some people speak nonverbally. Body language, the, the vibe they give, the aura that they have, the, the mood swings that they have and that they bring with them. Now listen to this. Studies suggest that 90% of our communication is nonverbal. So then it is not what we say. It is what we're doing when we're saying it. Or it is how we're saying it. Or it is the vibe or the feeling that we're giving whilst saying something. Now, 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 now. Stay with me. Stay with me. The reality is this, that most people have grown up and they have adult bodies, but they have childlike communication. It's going, okay, this is me and you talking, just me and you. nobody else is here, it's just us. Bishop, what do you mean by that? First Corinthians 13, 11, flip that real quick. I want you to see what Paul said about this. Most people have adult bodies, but they have childlike communication. Okay, Bishop, how do children communicate? They can't tell you they're hungry, so what do they do? They cry. They can't tell you that, that they're feeling whatever, so what do they do? They whine. Oh, God, somebody's going to get this. They want you to interpret what they feel and what they want to say predicated upon what they do. And that is how most adults are. And consequently, that is why so many people... Watch this. Hurting people hurt people. That is why so many people go from relationship to relationship, from friendship to friendship, from job to job, whatever it is, hurting people, calling it God's will. Look at the verse. Paul says, Paul says, when I was a little child, I talked like one. Check this out. And I understood as one. Okay. So how does a child understand? A child understands that, well, if you don't give me what I want, I'll keep crying until I get it. cognitive ability. Got it? He says, he says, here's the verse. He says, when I was a child, I talked like one, I understood like one, and I thought like one. But when I became a man, notice, 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 he says, when I became a man, which let me parenthetically insert, uh, there's a difference between a male and a man. 
A male is by birth. A man is by choice. Okay, and I know the ladies like, that's right, Bishop, tell them. Oh, I'm coming to you too. A female, I'm an equal opportunity rebuker. A female is by birth. A lady is by choice. When I, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, in other words, he said, I had to choose this. It didn't just happen because I made a baby. It didn't just happen because I got married and called myself moving out. It didn't, it didn't just happen because I, no, no, he, no, no, no. He, he said, I had to choose this. He says, when I became a man, he says, listen, here, here's the evidence of my choice. I put away childish things. Well, what are the childish things? Bishop, he told you. When I, talk, when I spoke like a kid, when I understood as a kid, and when I thought as a kid. He said, I put that away. Now, Bishop, Bishop, Bishop what are you trying to say? Can, can I give you some, some clues to let you know whether or not uh, you, you're still on the other side of this thing? Now, remember, it's just me and you talking, so you ain't got to worry about your neighbor because they can't judge you because they don't know. It's just us. How do you know if you still act like a child? Can, can, I, can I help you with this? When, when you take your marbles and go home. Well, if you ain't going to see it my way, there ain't nothing for us to talk about. Okay. Bring the chair back out. They ain't ready for this. Where the stool at? I'll sit at the stool again. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Second thing. You throw temper tantrums as a way to manipulate the situation. Okay. Can, can I get this next one? Yeah, this one's kind of graphic. But that's why we got student ministries and King's kids. What's this? You keep messing on yourself and you want somebody else to clean it up. Somebody fix me. Bishop, fix me. Church, fix me. Friend, fix me. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now, now, now look at this. Two kinds of communication, verbal, nonverbal. 90% of it's what? Nonverbal. So, 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 then, so then if we're going to improve how we communicate, we have to figure out what makes us, and we all do it from time to time, we have to figure out what makes us communicate like children. We have to figure that out. You ready? Okay, here, here's what happens. Trauma happens. And when trauma happens, many times there are interruptions in the psychological development of individuals. And so while they progress spiritually and while they may progress physically, they have not been able to mature psychologically. Remember, it's just us talking. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Uh, the Bible in Genesis, the Lord says that a man is evil from the days of his youth. Now, now that's peculiar because, because, because how did this happen? How, how, how does man become that way? How does man uh, not be able to mature uh, in all areas uh, with an equivalency? How is it that you could be very mature spiritually but very immature psychologically? How is it that you could be very mature spiritually and you could be theologically uh, erudite but not be able to sim simply have a simple conversation with an individual without allowing your personality to be offended because they don't agree with your theological disposition. Let me translate. How is it that you can know some Bible verses but can't sit down and have a conversation with nobody? 
How is it that you can sit down and somebody be on your side, but in the conversation and in the communication, you interpret everything they say as a direct attack against you? Say, Lord, teach me to communicate well. Now watch this. What happens is trauma. It's called the law of linkage. When trauma happens in life, it is like a marker is set in that place of your life. And this is why, this is why when you can talk to people sometimes and you have more than a 10-minute conversation with them, uh, oftentimes you'll find where their trauma is. Because they carry it around with them. Uh, like, what was that Charlie Brown? The little dude had a little blanket. Linus. They carry, watch this, they carry their pain with them as a badge of honor. And you can sit down and have a conversation with them, and then they're talking about, well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and so-and-so did this to me, and so-and-so did this to me, and this happened, and this happened. Because when trauma happens in life, there is a marker that's set in life. And then from that point on, that person may mature in every other place, but unless they get somebody to give them some eyes and to give them another perspective about that trauma and what that trauma has done to them, they never mature. Bishop, give me some scripture. The Gadarene demoniac. This is a man who the Bible says he was living in the tombs. He, he, he was a man who the Bible says was possessed with a legion. Uh, now, a lot of times we want to look at demons and devils as pitchforks and that kind of thing. But literally, the word spirit in Greek is the word pneuma, which in its rudimentary form means mindset. So he was filled with two different dip- 2,000 different mindsets that had occurred to him. And every time, watch this, every time that this man experienced trauma, rather than releasing the trauma, he held on to the trauma. And so now this man is filled with 2,000 different conflicting mindsets. So it becomes a demonic. Are y'all still with me? It becomes this demonic stronghold on this man because he can't think straight for anything. He can't see things as they are. He cannot interpret things as they should be interpreted because he's filled with 2,000 separate traumatic events that he never moved on from. And we know he never moved on because he was living in the tombs, which means rather than live in his future or live in his present, he chose to live with stuff that was dead. And so he's still sitting up talking about what mama did. And he's still sitting up talking about how so-and-so dipped them. And he's stuck with 2,000 conflicting mindsets that make this man, the Bible says, he cuts himself. You want to know where the, the, the thoughts of suicide come from? It's when trauma goes unchecked. The man was cutting himself, the Bible says. So he became self-destructive. He didn't need a devil. He was his own devil. Most people don't need an enemy because they have themselves. This man becomes self-destructive. And the truth is, we look at this man and say, my God, how could he be like that? But everything that's in the Bible is to give us a picture of what we are not to be. But you will become that if you don't allow God to come in and fix the trauma. If you don't allow God to come in and deal with issues. So this man, he's got all these conflicting mindsets. And when, watch this, and when his opportunity out of those mindsets comes, he runs up to Jesus. And you know what he says? He doesn't say, I'm so glad you're here. I'm getting ready to get free. No, you know what he says? Why are you here to torment us? I'm talking to you 
Uh, not your neighbor tonight. Could it be that there's some stuff you're not free from? Because even though you don't want it, you keep it because you know what to expect from it. This man, when Jesus shows up to set this man free, he doesn't say, Lord, I know. No, he doesn't say any of that. He knew who Jesus was. The Bible says he runs up to the man. No, you know what he does? He runs up to Jesus and says, why have you come to torment us? The prospect of being free was torment. The prospect of no longer being bound by what they did to you, it was torment. The prospect of no longer being bound in that betrayal, it became torment. Are y'all still here? It becomes torment to the man. And and Jesus responds to the man. He says, uh, what's your name? It's very interesting because in the conversation, you see a picture of psychological dysfunction because the man he answers and he says my name is legion for we are many he went from singular to plural in the same sentence you 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 missed it you you see now a psychological dysfunction in the man because he can't even decide if it's one of him Jesus is trying to have a simple conversation to get the man healed, but he can't have a simple conversation because he's got all of these 2,000 conflicting mindsets that are in the man. So now when freedom shows up, he runs from it. There's a, such a thing, and I, I'm going to do a whole teaching. I may do a whole series on it, but I'm just going to give it to you tonight. Can I give it to you? Amen. See, that's the benefit when you come to church on Wednesday. You just get fresh, you, just, you get, you know, extra stuff. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. This isn't even deep tonight. I'm just trying to just lay a foundation to help you communicate better. Watch this. There's such a thing as, watch this, the spirit of the runner. You said, Bishop, what do you mean the runner? A runner is one who, whenever they are right at the precipice of freedom, right at the precipice of breakthrough, they run. disappear because the thought that they no longer have to be bound by that becomes torment. You said, Bishop, I don't know anybody like that. If you don't know anyone, that's because you're the runner. Just runs. Just, just runs. And the runner runs. Y'all remember the movie uh, uh, with Michael Orr, the football guy? Blindside. Y'all remember that movie? And y'all remember how, 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 how they talk about how he was a, a runner because he had issues with his mother. His mother was on, what was it, a crack or something. So he was on some kind of drugs and what have you and all that. And, and that he was a runner. So every time good things would begin to happen to him uh, and he thought that he messed it up. I'm going to help somebody. And he thought that he messed it up. He would run because he thought before they can reject me, let me run from them. So then when we look at the spirit of the runner, we then first have to then understand, well, where does that come from? It comes from, watch this, the seed of rejection. Rejection is the most powerful human emotion that anyone can ever experience. It's more powerful than love because it, it, it influences you in ways that love cannot influence you. Because watch this, when love showed up to the man, rejection spoke back to love. 
God, who is love, stood in front of the man and he said, listen, let's have a conversation because I'm going to set you free. But then the man speaks back to love and he speaks with rejection, which means that even love didn't have the ability to penetrate this man's rejection. Are y'all, are y'all okay? I, I, I don't, I don't. I, okay. All right. Because I just, I, I don't. As I reflect on 16 years and then seven years since we planted this church, as I reflect, I say, God, how many people have ruined their lives because they preemptively rejected? You know what a preemptive rejection is, don't you? Preemptive rejection is things can be going good. then all of a sudden you you do something that you think you messed up or you you ruined it or something and then the thought is this person or this 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 whatever this they're going to reject me for that if they really knew what i was really thinking if 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 they really knew what i was really struggling with if they really knew the thoughts that I had when I was driving down the street, if they, if they really knew the real, who am I talking, if they really knew the real me, they'd, they'd reject me. So you know what we learn to do in church? We learn to be professional pretenders. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored and empowered to prosper. The Lord is making ways out of no ways. Hey, Shoto. And not to say that those things aren't good to say, or not to say that those things aren't true. It's just that we learn to not have to be real with anybody or anyone at any time. Y'all still with me? I'm almost through. I, I just, I just want to introduce this. I just want to introduce this thing because uh, we're talking about communication. But the reason most of us, uh, many of us sometimes don't communicate well is because we're communicating from the spirit of rejection. We're communicating from a seed of rejection. So we won't tell you exactly what we want to tell you because we want to make sure that we package it in such a way that we don't have to live with the threat of possibly being rejected. It's quiet in here. So someone will call themselves being honest with you and they'll tell you a little bit. But they don't want to tell you the whole thing because the thought is you might take that and use it against me. And so what we do now is we, we, we can't even have real deep relationship with people anymore because everybody's walking around wondering whether or not you're going to say something about what I told you. And everybody, watch this, is sawing. Everybody's eyeing everybody. You still here? Here's rejection. Rejection is David's life. David's daddy didn't even think enough of him to bring him in the house when the prophet came to anoint a new king. Could you imagine the feeling of that? Could you imagine watching all your brothers walk in the house? And I mean, and they walk, and they suited and booted too. Uh, suited and booted, that's a southern colloquialism for their dress. Okay, y'all, 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 I know, I know y'all in Denver, so y'all don't know, oh my God, they got on the army suits? Okay. It's suited and booted, you understand? I mean, they got it together. I mean, they walk in the house, they're like, fin to be king, fin to be king, fin to be king. <laughs> fin to be king, King Joffrey Jafar. I'm fin to be the king of the nation of Zamunda. I'm fin to be the king. 
And he's sitting out, let's make it modern. He's sitting out with his iPod. <laughs> and he's out there fooling with the sheep. He's like, I don't know what they're doing. They, you know, I don't know. I don't even know. That's what made him close to God because, because, because he couldn't get close to them. See, sometimes when you can't get close to them, you get close to him. Mm -hmm. He's out there and he's, he's listening to his iPod, you know, because he wrote a lot of the Psalms, you understand? And so he's just going. And so he's, I will bless the Lord. Doom, doom. I will bless the Lord. Doom, doom, doom. I will bless the Lord. You know, because, you know, and so. And, and he's going, he's going, and he's looking at his brothers. He's like, I don't know why they didn't call me in the house, but, you know, whatever. And then the man of God gets through all of the sons, and, and the man of God says, he's not here. This can't be all of your sons. And then Jesse, almost like coincidentally or half by happenstance, says, well, there's David out there, but it couldn't possibly be David because I don't even think he's good enough. How could God think he's good enough? I, I don't even think that he could be used. How could God use him? So the seed of rejection is planted in David. He's rejected. Because after everybody's in the house and, and Jesse says, or the man of God says, none of, none of these, none of these, Samuel says, none of these are it. Come on, David. Man, he always, David. Take them iPod. I don't know why he be putting no thing in his ear. That's it. Keep one out your ear. That's why you can't hear. Let's. Come on. David's running. He runs into the house. Yes, sir. Hebrew culture said, wasn't no, yeah. <laughs> it was, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. How may I serve you? Uh, uh, prophet, have you met uh, David? It's David. David, prophet. All right. The Lord says, he's the one. Check this out. Then the prophet holds up the horn of oil. And he says, all you seven brothers, get around him. Because I'm getting ready to anoint him. And I'm going to do it right in front. So he's anointed, but he's rejected. Because even though he was anointed by God, and even though he's anointed by the man of God, he still feels rejected by those who he wants to be accepted by the most. And when you look at the story, if you read, if you read the story, you look later on, there was all kind of issues with David and his brothers, all kind of issues. They'd be like, David just trying to go fight Goliath because you know how he is. He always trying to get involved in something. Always trying to start something. I don't know why David always be doing that. He's rejected. So you know what he does to cope with his rejection? He sleeps around. Bishop, Bishop, what do you mean? David's a man after God's own heart. Oh, no, remember, I said he was spiritual, but he wasn't psychologically developed. He knew how to repent, but he didn't know how to live right. Did I hear what I'm saying? He, he knew how to be spiritual, but he didn't know how to have a conversation with anybody because he's rejected and he knows God and he knows the Bible and he knows how to pray, but he can't seem to get his life to line up. He can't, can't get his life to line up. So when the rest of the kings are out supposed to be fighting, David stays at the house. David's saying, I'm, I just got to handle some business. And David's like, I, I'm not going to fight. I'm tired. But all the kings are out fighting. It's wartime. I'm not going. 
then that seed of rejection starts to talk to David. He's the king of the nation that God has laid his personal seal of approval on. It doesn't get any better than being him. He says, go, they go. He says, come, they come. He says, jump, they respond, how high, what day, what time? And you know how David feels? Rejected. Bishop, how do you know he felt that way? Because he looks over on the roof and he sees a woman named Bathsheba. Y'all still with me? He looks at the woman, says to the woman, or doesn't say anything at that particular time. He says to himself, hmm, hmm. Nobody else around. Hey, come here. Come here, man. Uh, you see her? Mm -hmm. uh, tell her that the king needs to say some king stuff to her. <laughs> tell her. I got some real kingly stuff to say. Check this out. Check this out. Can, can, I'm going to blow your mind. You ready for this? Uh, uh, okay. You know the story. They conceive. There's judgment because David is ashamed. He has her husband killed because rejection always tries to murder. Rejection always tries to murder someone else to cover its own tracks. So rejection will always have you trying to point fingers at somebody else that didn't do anything so that you can cover your own tracks. And so watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. But here's the trip. The next son, you know his name. What's his name? Solomon. Solomon becomes the son of a relationship that was born out of rejection. So now Solomon grows up the son of a dad who's rejected. So now, as a father, David can't give his son what he was never given. Because you can't offer to someone that which you don't have. That's not to say David couldn't have learned that. That's not to say those things. But you know the story. Long and short of it is Bathsheba, because i got to move Bathsheba. Uh, you know, there's issues with Absalom and some of the others, uh, some of the others, and there's issues. And so uh, Bathsheba talks to her son. He goes in, and then eventually Solomon uh, gets the throne. Make a long, long, long story short. <laughs> we ain't got time. We need like 18 worship experiences just to tell the story. <laughs> we need a whole camera crew to come and tell the story. Now watch this. Check this out. Here's the deal. Solomon becomes the seed of rejection. Do you know what Solomon does to cope with his rejection? The same thing his father does. Solomon says, I know how to feel accepted. I want her and 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 her. He counts 700 hers and says, you're going to be my wife. The married men are like, how did he do 700? Because I'm trying to figure out one. 
And then he says, you know what? I'm not satisfied with that. I'm the king. And so I'm, you know what? That's cool. The marriage thing is cool, but you know what I'm saying? You know, it's the new, it's new century. So I got, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a Hebrew sexual, you know. So he's like, I got to do the new thing. So I don't just need 700 wives. I need some girls. I need some side So then he counts out 300 girlfriends and says, y'all going to be my girlfriends. 700 wives, 300 concubines, 1,000 women, and he still didn't feel accepted because he's the seed of rejection. Are y'all still here? You know why he got so many women? Because before he could ever get close to one, He'd reject them and move to the next. Because he said, you're going to do me how they did me. And so before you even get close enough to do that to me, I'll move on. And then I'll say it. It's not, it's not you. It's me. Y'all so all quiet in this church. Y'all ain't ready for this kind of thing. Just, just keep God first and just keep pressing forward. And y'all don't want this kind of teaching. Y'all, y'all don't want this kind of stuff. Y'all ain't ready for this in Denver. I know, because it's just us talking. It's just us talking. It's just us talking. Now listen, listen, he's rejected, y'all. And then he says, you know what? Out of all these wives and out of all these girlfriends, I'm still not feeling any more accepted. So then he picks his poison, Pharaoh's daughter. You know what's the trip about picking Pharaoh's daughter? Is that Pharaoh's daughter, she's the daughter of the people that enslaved your people. You you picked your poison. And not only that, God said, listen, Solomon, I'm telling you. Watch this, check this out. He was rich, but rejected. Anointed, but rejected. Had position but rejected. Had relationships, but he was rejected. So he could never get fulfillment in anything that he was in because he was rejected. He picks Pharaoh's daughter. And the Bible says that's the one that kind of broke the camel's back. Because God told Solomon, he says, Solomon, all these women, they're going to turn you away from me. He says, Solomon, the things you keep going to to get acceptance from, they're going to turn you away from me. Which means that it's possible to be used by God and not even be intimate with God. You hear? Solomon's choice of Pharaoh's daughter. That's that's the coup de grace. That's the blow. Solomon ends up turning from God. and, And the story goes a little something like this. Solomon had some sons. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, while he's writing, the book of Ecclesiastes literally means the called out ones, or the church. So literally, he's writing a book to church folk. And you know what he says? Solomon says, I don't want to die. And Solomon says, but the reason I don't want to die is not because I'm sick of being here. He said, I don't want to die because my sons are going to take over. You're missing it, Bishop. Or, or excuse me, you missing it. I'm <laughs> you missing it. Because you should have shouted right there. Solomon said, I don't want my sons to be in charge. Watch this. 
track the seed of rejection. He said, I'm rejecting my sons. I don't want them to rule for me. I could have taught them to be anything and I could have lifted them up to be anything and I could have trained them to be anything. My only regret in death is that they're going to be in charge. So now he rejects them, but he rejects them because he was rejected. But he was rejected because he was rejected. And you know what happens when Solomon's sons take over? Kingdom splits. The people say, we're not following them. And so the kingdom splits. You have Israel on the north, or excuse me, you have Judah, then you have Israel, and, and, and the kingdom splits. And so now it was the united kingdom, and now it has split Israel and Judah, and now they're not unified. Now the whole thing that the way it was designed to be by God is not there, all because of a seed of rejection. You still here? Say rejection. Rejection is like a snake. I'm going to teach more about it later, so this isn't the rejection message, but I just wanted to kind of lay it out to you. Y'all all right with me doing that? Rejection is like a snake that attaches itself to you. It's like a python. It, it continues to curl up and curl up and curl up and curl up until it can successfully take every ounce of life out of you. Because what you'll do is you'll ruin a good thing to try to prevent it from possibly Monday being a bad thing. Because rejection rejects. It preemptively rejects. Now think over your life. I I'm through. Think over your life. Think over situations where you rejected because you didn't want to be rejected. This is us talking, right? Maybe it was a friendship. To where you didn't even give them an opportunity to be a good friend to you. You didn't even give them an opportunity to help you. Maybe, it, and I see this one, maybe it was a mentor that you rejected. A leader that you rejected. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. And as I've been in this whole reflective mood or in mode uh, over the last several weeks, I, I say, wow, look at the seed of rejection and look at what it did. Look at the price that it made individuals pay that the truth of the matter is they didn't have to pay, but they rejected because they didn't want to be rejected. Maybe it was a relationship. And you said, nah, I'm getting up out of here. Why, this is too good. And you don't say that to yourself. Your, your, your subconscious is saying that, but your conscience takes a hold of that, and then it begins to justify your preemptive rejection. So it calls it the Lord has shifted me. You know how you Christian people talk. I'm just feeling in my spirit. See, that's how I know you ain't even spiritual because your spirit shouldn't feel nothing. Feelings deal in the realm of carnality, not in the realm of the spirit. I feel in my spirit. Okay, well, you can stop talking because everything you're saying after that point is a lie. I'll just tell you. Now, I know y'all don't want to hear that. Because I know in the world of church, you people that, oh, I just, my spirit, I feel. Well, your spirit didn't felt all kind of stuff. It ain't none of it been right. And you didn't been making the same mistake for the last decade. When in the world are you going to say, enough is enough. I am not going down this road again. I'm not being robbed of life again. I
Church folks are males. Amen. <laughs> Rejection. So then watch this. When you're rejected, you can't even communicate well with people. Because they can sit out and say, you know what? When you did this, it made me, made me feel like this or it made me think this. So you're leaving me? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about how when you get two pieces of fish and you only give me one piece of fish and you know you ain't going to eat that piece of fish and you're talking about we ain't even having this conversation. But rejection thinks, I know where this is going. Bless God. The Lord's showing me. And that's not to say that sometimes that's not the case, but rejection can't even communicate well. Rejection here is any, anything that it senses to be opposition. Y'all all right? Yes, sir. Rejection here is that is personal rejection. Think of some of the stuff that, that people do to be accepted. Why do people join gangs? Accepted. Why do people hook up with drug heads and stuff like that? Accepted. Sometimes you talk to them, people, you're like, do you even enjoy that? <laughs> nah. Because I've asked. I've, no, literally, I've walked up and be like, listen, I'm not going to judge you. Just, can you. Do you even like that? No, nah, not really. But at least I got somebody to do it with. Are y'all hearing what I mean? Rejection, rejection stops effective communication because everything that's said is being interpreted through the lenses of kind of like a porcupine porcupine uh you know it throws throws up those those uh what do you call them? quill there you go I, that's, I was gonna say needles so that's <laughs> it throws them up watch this as a preemptive way to stop from being hurt So before you even get a chance to hurt me, I'll cut you seven ways from Sunday. See, rejection makes you, are y'all all right? I'm through. I'm just trying to just get you thinking down this road because we're going we're to deal with this because, because we, we can't have good relationships with anybody at any time, good friendship. You can't have any good relationship, interaction with anybody unless we get past and get a good understanding of this thing of rejection because it's not the devil. It's a seed that was planted that no one ever told you what it was. Why do people sleep around? Rejection. So before they even found out whether or not this person even cared, they're like, mm, gotta move on. Next. Well, why do, why do people cheat when they're married? Hey, notice. Is this too real? I got the mic. Watch this. I, I deal. Uh, I, 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 one of the most enjoyable parts of what I do is when I get to interact with people one on one. And uh, I, I've seen tons of infidelity uh, in 16 years of, of, of senior leadership and ministry. And, and, and one of the things that's been consistent in every single case, you want to know something? In every single case? I know you don't know nothing about that because 
we live in perfect Christian world and nothing ever happens. But for the rest of us who live in, in real world, um, w- w- one of the things that I've always seen is that uh, if it was a man, uh, the, the other woman or women, or it's 21st century, okay, uh, they were never more attractive. I, I looked and I said, I said, I said, what, 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 you know, I said, well, what was it? And said, nah, Bishop, no, nah, she wasn't more attractive. No, nah, 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 they weren't more attractive. I said, well, what was it? What, what was the issue? What was the, what was the problem? I normally hear a line like this. I, I didn't think I was good enough for her. So I preemptively rejected her. Oh, God, Bishop, teach. By doing what I could do to sabotage the relationship. Because I knew at any moment this good thing was going to come to an end. So then you create a self-fulfilling prophecy. You become the reason it ends. Okay, this is too much. This is... This is too much. All right. Rejection. 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 Now, here's my challenge to you. All right. All right, Wednesday night, I got a challenge for you. All right. Now, the weekend crowd's not going to get the challenge. All right. So don't even, and don't be giving no notes either. They should have been here. <laughs> I'm just messing. Here's my challenge to you. Identify where you've been rejected. Find it. Find it. And and here's the deal. Pride is going to try to keep you from finding it. Because pride is going to say, oh, I didn't feel rejected by that. Lying through your teeth. Identify where you've been rejected. Find it. And then write it. Because why do I need to write it? Because 95% of defeating rejection is exposing it. Same thing like with the spirit of Jezebel. When you expose the spirit of Jezebel, that's all you had to do was just call it out. Then it finds a way to get thrown out the window. That's how they killed Jezebel. They de-infiltrated her throughout the window. Look over your life and figure out where you've been rejected. Just look and figure out where you've been rejected and write it down. Now, Bishop, why don't you do that? When you see it, Now you'll be able to identify when it's trying to creep back up. You see what I'm saying? Now, I know know you want, Bishop, give me a prayer that I can lay on my hands on myself and give me a prayer that I can pray and just, Bishop, would you lay hands on me and just cast it out? Here's the truth. Here's here's the truth. Remember we talked about the man with the 2,000 mindsets, the demoniac. Remember that? When it left him, the mindsets, the spirits, the demons, they said, well, where are you going to send us? Because watch this. We can't be sent back because we're not done here. So why don't you cast us into the swine? Y'all remember the story? They said, cast us into the swine because we're not done here. 
Jesus said, okay, fine. He sent them into the swine. They went into the river. They drowned themselves. Which means, perhaps, one of two potential hypotheses. One, that man was getting ready to die. And Jesus showed up right on time. Amen. Second hypothesis. They, they killed themselves, or they killed the swine so that they could go find another human. Rejection opens you up to crazy thinking. Because it's a wound. And what happens to wounds? If you don't treat the wound, it gets infected. Maybe it was your mother. Maybe it was your father. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe who? I don't know, whatever. But, but find it. Write it down and start making it pay for what it's stolen from you. Make it pay. Here's one thing about me. Uh, one thing about me is I, uh, I don't like unnecessary pain. So when I have to experience pain, and especially unnecessary pain, you can believe I'm going to make a series. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do, you're going to pay for what you did to me. Now you can pay voluntarily or involuntarily, but you're going to pay me. You didn't have me losing sleep for nothing. Or you're going to pay me. My hours are valuable. You didn't have me crying for nothing. You're going to pay me. You didn't. Write it down and make it pay. Jim said, Bishop, I don't know if I'm struggling with rejection or not. Have you said something like this? Hmm, I'm not good enough to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm getting them in the vestibule. You see, they shouting out there. They getting delivered out there. Y'all sitting up here being all cerebral. That's right, dear Bishop. That's fantastic. Find it. Find it. Because it, it keeps making you preemptively reject. <clears throat> For what? What do you get only repeating the same cycle with somebody new? Have you ever noticed the common denominator in all of your failed friendships? You. Now, I know you want to say that's just because the devil was trying to send people in your life to try to distract you from God's purpose. Baby. <laughs> Don't think that highly of yourself. Find it. And when you find it, Next week, I'm going to tell you what to do with it. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Did you learn something tonight? Father, wow. Thank you that the opportunity to receive knowledge 
is proof of your love. Father, we, we thank you that there's another chance. Forgive us for not communicating well. And forgive us for not knowing that the reason we didn't communicate well was the thought of preemptive rejection. Forgive us. Nobody said anything. But now the new man can be renewed in knowledge. Father, I pray that tonight everybody that is on the internet campus or here or that gets the CD, how they, however they hear this teaching tonight, I pray, Father, that the process of uprooting that seed of rejection would begin. Help them to clearly find it. Help them to clearly see it. And then we wouldn't repeat the same thing over and over again. This is a year, as we declared on New Year's Eve, of conquered issues. That's what this is a year of. It is a year we declared on New Year's Eve of conquered issues. And when we conquer this snake of rejection, we'll stop letting it create unnecessary pain. So tonight, Father, I speak freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There, there is freedom. And tonight, I command you, be set free from the spirit of rejection. We're going to find you out. We're going to make you pay. You've robbed us of good friendships. You've robbed us of good interactions. You've robbed us too much. Now you're going to pay for it. Speak freedom into your life. You are important to God. <laughs> you hear that? You are important to God. You are loved by God. You are accepted by God. You are received by God. You, you are accepted just as you are by God. God. He doesn't take you with conditions. He takes you as you are and then he begins the processes of changing you into who you shall be, but he accepts you. Quickly tonight, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, very quickly, I don't want to assume that everybody in this place, because it's a Wednesday night in the middle of a rainstorm, that everybody here is a Christian. Tonight, and if you're in this experience and you don't know Jesus and you want to become a Christian for the very first time, I got, got good news for you. He loves you. He died for you. And he died so that you would be able to hear a teaching like this tonight that would begin to open your eyes up to one of the reasons that you've gone through some of the hell that you didn't have to go through. He loves you. Secondly, tonight, if you're here or you're watching online or you're in the vestibule, wherever you are, if you're here tonight and you've given your life to Jesus but you've not been following him, you've not been serving him faithfully, and you want to rededicate yourself to the Lord, tonight you can do that. If either one of those is you, on the count of three, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter if you're here, it doesn't matter if you're at home, on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up. One, two, three, throw that Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. 
They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.